Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to worship for the second week in Advent. Lent. In, in Lent, even. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs> um, eventually, I'll work out where we are. Uh, as always, a very special welcome to members of our family and friends joining us from all across the country and around the world. Our service this morning will be led by our minister, Katrina, but we'll also hear the voices of Ian and Elizabeth, Marit, Leo and Ken. And we'll hear Paul playing keyboard and Yang Yang playing violin as we listen to the recordings of today's hymns. In a moment or two, we'll be lighting our candle uh, and we're all invited to light a candle at the same time if we'd like to do that. Then at 7pm this evening, Rebecca Gebauer will lead our evening service, which will be the second in our Lent study series inspired by the Elton John biopic Rocketman. Um, if you didn't attend last Sunday and are planning to come this evening, you'll probably find it helpful to read the introduction to the series that was attached to your invitation to today's services. And as you know, our Lent appeal this year is in aid of Glasgow City Mission. Our Just Giving page will be active throughout Lent, so we'll be able to make our donations there at any time right up until Easter Sunday. Details of the Just Giving page address are in the March edition of the key, which should drop into your email inbox tomorrow, as well as on the church's Facebook page. And then just one piece of family news, we want to say congratulations to Leslie, who celebrated a big birthday uh, this past week. So happy birthday, Leslie, and we hope you had a lovely day, uh, especially on the Zoom with your twin sister. Uh, so it was a double celebration. Then next Sunday at 11am, Katrina will lead morning worship. Then at 4pm, we're holding the next of our Zoom Sunday schools. So parents, look out for an email from Emma with more details about that. And then at 7pm, I'll be leading the evening service based on the third study on Rocketman. So now it's over, I think, to Freya to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is a light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light today.
I think we've got a slightly bit of an unstable wibbly zoom this morning i've noticed a few people dropping in and out and um i also spotted that leslie and alistair joined just after we'd given a big wave to leslie for her big birthday so can we do a big wave for leslie again for her her big birthday congratulations leslie on your big birthday wonderful to celebrate in some small way with you so congratulations to you and to your twin sister And so now let's come to God in prayer. Let us pray together. Holy and life-giving God, the psalmist writes, I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. And we who have gathered today seek to do just that. We praise you for the mystery of our being, especially as, sorry, we pray for the mystery of your being, especially as revealed to us in Christ Jesus, a man who lived in a particular time and place and who within the Godhead is before and beyond time and space. We praise you for the miracle of our own being and living in this time and in these places that you know and name each one of us. Delight in us as your precious children and love us with an unending and unchanging love. We praise you too for the mundane every day. As night follows day, as sun brings light and clouds bring rain, as seasons and years continue uninterrupted through time itself. Holy and life-giving God, in whom all that is mysterious, miraculous and mundane has its origin and its end, help us to celebrate all that means for us today. 
The psalmist also writes of you. He did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from it from me, but heard me when I cried to him. We praise you for the profound yet simple truth that you will never abandon your beloved creatures, <clears throat> that you hear us when we cry out in darkness, anxiety or desperation, just as clearly and with just as much attention as when we express gratitude and praise. In the ongoing monotony, miracle and mystery of our everyday lives, assure us of your presence. Forgive our shortcomings and strengthen us to obey your call to discipleship of Jesus. Hear us now, as in confidence and faith, we pray the words that Jesus taught his followers. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen.
For our first reading today, we're hearing a reading from Psalm 22, verses 22 to 30. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. To him indeed shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust. And I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. The second reading is from Mark 8, verses 31 to 38. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. By turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called a crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any of you want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels.
During the season of Lent, the lectionary takes us to various points in Jesus' ministry. Last week, we began with his baptism and we thought about how in that Jesus identifies fully with humanity. If you like, God becomes fully immersed in our world to kind of be a bit baptist about it. This week, we move to another part of Jesus' story, and it's actually a part that's quite difficult to hear. So I'm not going to try and pretend it's easy. I'm not going to pretend it's nice, and I'm not able to kind of sugarcoat it, because what Jesus says here is very radical and very hard to listen to. Just to set the scene a little bit, just before the reading that, that um, Leo read for us, I don't know quite why the lectionary didn't include it, but it doesn't. Um, people have been wondering, speculating, who is Jesus? And he says to his disciples, whilst they're on their own, well, who, who do people say I am? And they say, well, you know, some people think you're John the Baptist. So that might be John the Baptist resurrected or that John the Baptist didn't really die after all. Some people think you're Elijah. Some people think you're a prophet. And then Jesus said, yeah, but, but who do you think I am? And Peter, in that way that only Peter could, just blurted out, well, you're the Messiah. You're God's anointed one. And he was praised in that moment. Um, but then they were told, don't tell anybody about this. Don't tell anybody that that's who I am. And that's probably quite important as we move on to what happens next, which takes place, as um, we heard quite openly, amongst the crowds of people. He says what he says about um, if you want to be my followers, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That's hard to hear. But we need to perhaps think about the background, the historical background in which this was said, because outside of the Bible, we know that people did come along from time to time who people thought were, were the Messiah. And these people would gather people around them and they would start little uprisings and it would all end very badly with them getting arrested and executed and suppressed. Because the people in Jesus' time thought Messiah would be a military leader, that Messiah would overthrow the Romans and liberate Israel once more. And so actually it was a very dangerous thing to, to consider yourself to be the Messiah or to consider somebody else to be the Messiah. It could well end in crucifixion. And it's in that context that Jesus says to the crowds and to those closest to him, if you want to follow me, you have to be willing to take the cross of crucifixion. If not literally, then at least metaphorically. And that's hard. That's really hard to hear. And as I was reflecting on that reading this week, I just kept him to my mind, kept coming another thing that Jesus said on another occasion, which is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, not Mark. So Mark's, if you just had Mark, you wouldn't hear this bit. And it's where Jesus says, take my yoke from me, take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. 
My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So I was quite pleased when I then turned to a commentary to discover that this language of the yoke is something that rabbis and teachers would have used quite a lot. They would talk about having their disciples yoked to them, like an oxen yoke, not a milkmaid's yoke, an oxen's yoke. So two yoked together side by side. And that the teacher would decide where you went, how fast you went, and what happened. And so we have perhaps something to hold together here. The yoke of discipleship that for Jesus looks more like a cross. Perhaps what Jesus is saying is if you want to follow me, if you want to learn from me, if you want to keep in step with me, then that's a really difficult path. It's a path that risks ridicule and rejection and possibly even death. I kind of see why Peter didn't fancy that very much, to be honest. It's not a very appealing call, is it? And of course, for most of us, and most of us on this Zoom today live in the United Kingdom, in Scotland, England, Wales, um, or in Western Europe, for most of us, being a Christian will never lead to arrest, torture, or execution. But we also have people on this call who have fled their homelands in order to be able to follow Jesus because it did risk at least arrest, at least possible torture and potentially also death. So some people hear those words and it's literally true for them. For others, maybe only metaphorically. But wherever we are, whether we are in the comparative ease of Glasgow or we're in a really difficult place, actually, Jesus still has some of the same stuff to say to us. He says, if you're going to follow me, you need to think it through. Count the cost. In Luke, he says, nobody would build a tower without working out how much it was going to cost. And that's kind of what he's saying here. If you want to follow me, think about it, what it will cost, because if you choose to be yoked with me, you have to walk with me. And where will he take us? Where are the places that Jesus will take us if we walk with him? He will take us to the margins, to the liminal places, to the place of the outcast, those deemed sinners and tax collectors in his own day those who are seen as unrighteous or unclean, morally suspect or not religiously or societally very nice. He will take us to places where our own biases and our own prejudices can be revealed in very uncomfortable ways because it happened for him too, with a woman at a well. And a woman he called a dog because of her race. And he will make impossible demands of us. He will show us a child-sized picnic and say, feed an enormous crowd. 
he will say, step out of the comparative safety of a boat called a church and walk on the water of the world. He will say, don't hold on to whatever gives you security, whether that's status or job or money or even family and friends. He will take us to the center of political and religious organization and there he will overturn tables, calling out injustice and calling on us to do the same. He will lead us up mountains and show us wonderful things, but he will also lead us across borders and through dangerous territory. He will take us to places of rest and refreshment, but he will also challenge and stretch us beyond our wildest imaginings. He will show us what it means to lose life, if by life we mean security, stability, prosperity, and worldly defined happiness. But he will also enable us to discover fullness of life we would never otherwise have imagined. But he will also lead us to a hill. And when we get to that hill, he will be stripped naked and beaten and nailed to a cross. And the awful truth is that most likely, along with Peter and Judas, and those he counted his closest friends, we will run away and just leave him surrounded by a few women. And perhaps we don't necessarily mean women in our time. Maybe women symbolise those whom society thinks are worthless and weak and useless. These will stand at the foot of the cross. But lest we despair, lest we despair. He will also walk with us along a beach and forgive us and recommission us and lead us on. And more than lead us on, he will hand over to us and say, I trust you. Now it's your time. These are really hard words of Jesus. They're hard to hear at any time, but perhaps at the end of a long year of struggle and pain and sorrow and loss and growing boredom and frustration, they're even harder to hear. Because what we really want is those nice meadows, that nice place of rest and refreshment. Perhaps it feels that the crosses we're carrying are really heavy already. And it's certainly not my intention to make anybody feel bad or inadequate or must try harder because these words are hard for me to hear too. After all, ministers are not Jesus. We are just fellow disciples sharing the journey. So I kind of feel I want to go a little bit to the psalm 
and then a little bit to the Matthew. We all know that as he died, Jesus is thought to have been speaking aloud at the beginning of Psalm 22. Often uh, rendered as my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Though, as you've heard me play with many times, it could be my God, my God, why, comma, have you forsaken me? In the psalm, in Psalm 22, which Leo read for us, we heard these words. God did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. There's a very popular hymn that speaks of God's love, that talks about God turning his way from face away from Jesus as Jesus died. It's written by Stuart Townend, who's a very much loved hymn writer in some places. But Stuart Townend is wrong because Psalm 22 quite clearly says, God does not turn his face away. And so as in our suffering, whatever that looks like in our struggles, in our pain, in the frustration and fed upness of where we are now, God looks with love on us. God hears us. And God loves us so much that in Jesus, he enters our world. And then to go back to Matthew, take my yoke and learn from me. My yoke is easy, not facile, but it, it's comfortable. It won't chafe you. The burdens I give you are light, copable with. And I will lead you to a place where you find rest for your souls. Perhaps we have to try to hold those together. That impossible call to take up our cross with the truth that God will never turn away from us and that Jesus promises us that walking with him will lead us to peace. And so today we can reflect on what that means to follow Jesus and we can renew our own commitment to follow him. Not out loud, not putting hands up, not praying a prayer of any way, but just offering our own tentative and quiet, yes, I have decided to follow Jesus. Amen.
Now we bring our prayers for others and for ourselves. O God, our Heavenly Father, we come once more to you this morning with our prayers for others and for ourselves. In these continuing difficult days when life is restricted and our horizons have been lowered, we would wish to lift up our eyes once more to you as our saviour and our friend. We come seeking forgiveness for our failures. We come seeking light in our darkness. We come seeking strength in our weakness. And we come seeking your grace to surround us in all the trials of this present time. This past week has brought some encouragement to us as tentative plans have been laid out by the governments for the lifting of some of the restrictions under which we have been living. We pray that as we move forward slowly, life may return to some degree of normality for all of us. And yet we would wish to remember before you all those who have passed away during these past months and all those who still suffer the ravages of this virulent disease. We pray also for those who have been affected economically, those with reduced earnings, those who become unemployed, and all those whose future is so uncertain. We pray for university and college students, as well as all our school children, whose education has been so severely disrupted, and we hope that in the long run, no permanent damage will result. In this season of Lent, we are conscious of the need to deny ourselves, and it seems ironic to be doing so in a time when each and every person is suffering some degree of deprivation. May we be given the grace to accept our circumstances and to find blessing within, uh, within them and the strength to bring blessing to others as we live through these days, taking up our cross as we set our minds towards Easter. This morning in our prayers for others, we consider first of all the worldwide family of nations. As each country in its own way tackles the global threat of the pandemic, and rightly so, endeavours to find the resources necessary to immunise its own people, we would pray at the same time that the rich nations may also find the means and the political will to consider the needs of the underdeveloped lands, and that they too might be able to share in the technical knowledge and the available stockpile of vaccines to bring protection to their peoples. Still on the international scale, we are asked today to pray for the work of the BMS worldwide, and particularly for their work in France. Among others who are involved in mission in that country is our own friend Christine Kling, who was with us at Hillhead for some time. The prayer calendar says, Pray for BMS worker Christine Kling and give thanks for the different opportunities she has to share the gospel. And we pray that the people she ministers to will take a leap of faith and come to know the love of Jesus. Within the family of the Baptist churches here in Scotland, we ask a blessing on the fellowships at Borough Isle, at Calderwood, Stirling and Cambuslang. And we ask that in these difficult times, they may continue to remain faithful and to show forth your love to one another and to the world outside. Finally, turning to our own wider congregation, we are asked to hold up to you this week our managers and trustees and all who hold offices of responsibility in our church. Their work and commitment is what sustains our fellowship as they continue to help us 
to flourish and serve and witness in your name. We also remember this week these individuals and families in our community, Adi, Moji, Esther and David, Elham, Ali, Benjamin and Badia, Nasai, Sai, Nikan and Nakia, Lilius and their family, Manit and Tom, Alan, Edith and Tom and Bethany. Help each and all of us to nurture our love for one another as a family and help us to remain faithful in all our living. Lord, hear all our prayers for the world at large, the many nations occupying the globe, the citizens of our own country and the members of our own church and the families and individuals within it. Your love knows no bound and your care for us never fails. Help us to live in that trust throughout each and every day. Amen.
as we journey on through the season of Lent, revisiting and renewing our commitment to Christ. May God bless us with courage to keep following Jesus, compassion towards ourselves and each other when we feel overwhelmed, and confidence to rest secure in God's unending mercy, grace and love. Amen.